0: Hello, this is John Bwerie, and welcome to another episode of Community Intelligence, where we explore how leaders engage and build community. For this episode, I met with Simon Woods, CEO of the Los Angeles Philharmonic, who is changing the way orchestras engage their communities. I met Simon at his office at the Walt Disney Concert Hall in downtown Los Angeles, where the LA Phil plays during the winter, and talked about his experiences working with orchestras around the world. Simon revealed his approach to tailoring community engagement to each orchestra's unique context, and it may surprise you to learn how far-reaching the impact of this approach has been.
1: So, thank you. We're here, we're sitting, where are we? Uh, well, we're at Walt Disney Concert Hall. We're in the um, the CEO's office, which is <laughs> here at the back of the hall, looking over the the uh, the building site, the construction site for the Metro uh, Downtown Connector. Not a very glamorous view, but a very important um, a very important step forward for our community.
0: Yeah. And and Simon, uh, you have been at the helm here of the Los Angeles Philharmonic for a year and a half. A year and a half. But this is not your first rodeo as they say you've no. been working with orchestras for years tell me a bit of how you started in in this space
1: well i grew up in a, a family that loved music and uh, i played i played the clarinet i played in youth orchestras i got a music degree and uh, i wanted to be a I wanted to be a conductor originally conductor and i was a studied com- composition and conducting and that was always my goal in life to be a conductor but in at the end i realized that that Uh, was not going to work out for me. I had an abundance of enthusiasm, um, which was not matched (laughs) by the talent. And um, uh, I I realized, though, that I wanted to always stay close to music and to orchestras. And so I I ended up uh, spending almost a decade in the the recording industry, in the classical recording industry, working at Abbey Road Studios Mm -hmm. in London for EMI as a recording producer. Really up close with orchestras and with classical music artists, um, conductors, soloists—an um, amazing, an amazing, an amazing decade actually. In a time when the when the when the CD boom was happening in a really big way, um, and that was a it was a very exciting time. But then I I had an urge to get back onto the nonprofit side, mm-hmm. and so I went to work in 1997 for the Philadelphia Orchestra as a, their chief artistic planner, uh, planning all the concert programs. And I've been in working with orchestras ever since, in different places in, in the U.S. and the U.K. And uh, you know what? I suppose what drives me, um, you know, to this day is I still think the idea of a hundred people playing uh, in a, in a in a synchronized and harmonious way on, on a stage is one of humankind's most beautiful creations. And I and I and, I, and I really cling to that extraordinary sound of orchestras as as, as unique jewel in the arts. Well, and I think it's a great example, you know, we're, we're on the Community
0: Intelligence Podcast here. The idea of this community of people, a hundred people, each with their own job, if you will, and their own expertise, but coming together as a community to make something even greater. Exactly. And, and that's a really great example of what is being done in a lot of issues in a lot of areas around the country. But in terms of the work you're doing, you started in Philadelphia, and then you've been in a number of places. I know that uh, just before coming to Los Angeles, you were in Seattle. Before mm-hmm. that, you were in Scotland. Yep. So international heads of orchestras. Uh, what's it like being in different places? I mean, you can't be any more different probably than Los Angeles and Scotland, in terms of, of just Tr- culture true. and history and identity. This is true. So, so with, with those two and all the others, what is it like managing orchestras with different cities? What's, what's the
1: same about them and what makes them different? I guess I've always been fascinated by um, getting to the, you know, the pearl inside of, of, uh, of an organization and, and what it means for its community and in its environment. And I think that every, every orchestra in every community plays a different role. And it's it's the same uh, for for arts or all kinds of arts organisations. They play different roles according to the communities around them. Now, uh, Scotland, for example, uh, the, the the orchestra there was the Royal Scottish National Orchestra. So it was uh, interesting because it was an, although it was based in Glasgow, it was a it was not a city orchestra. It was a national orchestra. And Scotland's a place with an interesting. Um, it's funded from a cultural point of view in a very interesting way because the orchestra is funded directly by the Scottish by the culture department of the Scottish government so it's very much regarded as an agent of uh, national pride and national identity so this sense of a, of a major arts organization as a as an advocate for um, uh, for an, for a nation with a proud uh, sense of culture and history and identity was a very interesting one and you know we built on that in in many ways there by um, thinking about how we played across the whole country, uh, by thinking about how we tapped into the particular spirit of, of the Scottish people in our, in our programming, really connecting with Scottish traditional music, um, really connecting with tr- Scottish traditional, uh, Scottish traditions, and it, and it was a very an orchestra which had an incredibly strong sense of identity, as well as being, by the way, a very, very fine orchestra with a long history and, and a long recording history. Then I went to, to Seattle, which couldn't have been more different, and when I arrived in, in Seattle it was interesting because there was a bit of pa- a paradox in the Seattle Symphony in that the orchestra was a relatively traditional institution. Uh, one of the most um, important arts institutions in the city. but. Seattle, of course, is not a traditional city. It's anything but. Seattle is, a, as I always used to say to pe- people, you know, Seattle is the city that redefined flying, Boeing, uh, coffee, Starbucks, retail, <laughs> Amazon, um, and you know, the list goes on. I mean, it's a city that, that has tended to inspire people to think differently. So there's a strong and deeply ingrained sense of innovation there. The other thing that marks Seattle out is it's a, it's a very extremely progressive city. Um, with a very, very compassionate sense of community. And so we were very interested to tap into that. And then the third thing in Seattle was it has this amazing Popular music tradition rooted in grunge, um, and, and the whole way you know you would think that that would be unassailable for a, for, a, um, for, a, for a for for an orchestra, but in fact we actually built many ways in which we could connect with the music of Pearl Jam and Nirvana and some of the some of the great music music from the from the grunge period. So for the Seattle, the, the sort of localization of the orchestra as a real orchestra of Seattle, not in just in Seattle, was all was all about innovation, community, and its music traditions. So let's, let's hone in on that
0: community piece. You said that you wanted this sense of community and compassion that was there. How did that manifest? How did you how did you bring the orchestra to align with that sense of community? What kind of example can you give me?
1: Well, there are all sorts of examples. I mean, first of all, very very early on, one of the first decisions I made when I, when I went to Seattle was that I saw that we had too many empty seats, and we decided to repurpose those empty seats for the community. And so we started this community connections program with just four or five partners, uh, we, non-profit partners, mm-hmm. inviting people in to come to the hall for free. By the time I left, the Community Connections program had over sixty partners, wow. and we were working um, in uh, with, uh, you know, um, military groups, with church groups. We were working with the homeless community. More more of that in a moment, perhaps. Um, we we were working with new immigrant populations, with prison. Uh, prison, uh, people just coming out of prison. Every kind of non-profit group um, serving the community, we we were working with them and bringing them into the hall. And there was a kind of a tier, there was a kind of pyramid of relationships. At the the most simple level, it was just about letting people have access to the incredible music. Um, And then it became a little bit deeper and we would build some partnerships where we would actually go into community environments and play. And then at the top of the pyramid, we really built some very deep relationships particularly with the the homeless community so so it 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 burgeoned into this kind of very richly textured um relationship with different community groups and what was the reaction from your subscribers your your patrons
0: that are already filling the seats and you're looking around and there's some different kinds of folks in the hall was the reaction immediately yes or was it like "Hmm, i wonder what's going on here
1: I don't ever remember hearing anything um, anything untoward from that point of view. There was uh, there there was there was nothing particularly that ever that ever landed on my desk that was a problem. And in fact, you know, I'd say quite the reverse when it comes to the the homeless community. Actually, one of the stereotypes we were trying to bust about the homeless community was the stereotype of what is a homeless person. Right. Because when we first uh, uh let me go back and just talk a little bit about the homeless program because mm-hmm. it was really interesting so when the uh, the mayor of Seattle and county supervisor um, King County supervisor uh, declared a state of emergency back in I'm gonna say now 2015 or 16 declared a state of emergency we thought well maybe we can play our part in some way we can't put roofs over people's heads but maybe we can find some way to uh, nourish them spiritually um, and so we gathered together a, a group of um, the homelessness partners that we've been, been working through this community connections program and we said to them y- you know what what how could we help how might how might we help um, and we, we brainstormed. So instead of
0: deciding an answer you ask them. First. <laughs> yes a
1: very, a very That's <laughs> very important which is this idea that you know how do you find out about what a community needs well it's a very simple answer you ask them. So we started with this dialogue where we, where we said to the homeless community, we don't want to wade into this area unless we can provide some value. So what's the value that we can provide? And part of it, they said, well, yes, of course, the experience of letting people who have difficult lives have access to beauty was, a, was, a, was high on the list. That, that we were expecting. Um, Ha, the other, another part that we were expecting was, yes, creative music making, so letting people make music. Y- you know, for the homeless person who plays a guitar, uh, to be able to come and sit with symphony musicians and play is a, is a deeply wonderful experience. So that we kind of expected as well. What we didn't expect was the part about, could you use your platform as a major arts organisation to, um, to help us dispel the images of what homeless people are? And um, and we really loved that. And so, um, a- a- as we all got to know the, this community, we came to understand that you know mo- many of our subscribers had the traditional image of of people living with homelessness as the kind of crack crack dealers on the corner of you know the corner of Second and Union Street. Right. And and in fact, as you get to know them as you delve into homelessness in, in Seattle, by the way, this is absolutely the same in, in LA, and if we were to talk to Vijay Gupta, who runs of course, Street Symphony, he would absolutely you know be- bear this out. What you find is extraordinarily heart-rending stories about people like you and I, who um, have made bad decisions, had expensive uh, medical emergencies, um, have lost their jobs, um, so there are an amazing, this is a very long answer to the question of what did people in the audience think about being com- coming into close proximity with people who were living with homelessness, and the answer was sometimes you couldn't, you wouldn't know because some of them were literally from communities that we would find very familiar. Wow, and so that was very powerful, and so to think about how we could use the platform of a large arts organisation to sort of dispel stereotypes was a was a was a powerful part of you know what the community programme could be, and, and not one that we were expecting, by the way. So l- let me ask you, is this something that is uh, traditionally
0: undertaken by orchestras, or, or do you see that this is a, a new frontier you're headed towards? I mean, I know we're, we talk about Seattle, now you're here in Los Angeles, and I know that there's programs you're doing here as well, sure.
1: but, but is this a trend? Yeah, well I think, I think it, what's, a, what's the, the trend is orchestras thinking more broadly about their role in the world. I think if you went back um, 30 years, uh, you would find a very, very, orchestra set a very, very clear vision. We play this kind of music, we deliver it to this kind of audience. Mm-hmm. And that was basically the transaction. Um, now, where, where we are today, and, you know, people love to criticize the orchestra field as a, as a kind of, you know, hopelessly moribund, <laughs> back, backwards-looking field, which is really not true, because if you look around the country today, I'm actually incredibly optimistic, because I think the, the orchestra field nationally has never been more vibrant. First of all, because standards have never been higher. I mean, orchestras at every level in the US are unbelievably good. I mean, better than they've ever been. And so many, many communities across the country have access to orchestral performances of the highest caliber. That's a wonderful thing. But quite aside from that, orchestras are thinking very hard about uh, what what is their role in in society and community. And many of them are thinking about uh, reinventing that and increasingly starting to think of themselves, not just as a delivery mechanism for an art form, but as a community resource. And when you start to think about yourself as a community resource, then you start to ask different questions. And every orchestra adapts to its community. In Seattle, it was about homelessness. There are orchestras like the South Dakota Symphony, which has made a major, major um, success of uh, working with its local tribal communities. Um, y- you know there are orchestras which have, um, you know, invested in in you know in, in different aspects of local history. There are you know there are orchestras which have built relationships with military, um, uh, you know, military bases which are nearby. It, you do what's right for your community and what's relevant for your community, but you have to think you have to be thinking about that so you can't just be playing music you have to be thinking about how do we create that relevance for our community in our unique special way in this unique place so that's
0: music to my ears uh to keep on our theme to hear you think that way but i can't imagine that everybody in the institution of orchestras uh is embracing that change so what is it how do you activate this organization, when you say, hey, we can be different, we can be better, we still have the highest caliber performance, but we can be more relevant to our community, how do you activate the organization from within to, to embrace that?
1: Well, the first thing I think it's important to say is that when you start to think about uh, how we build deeper relationships with community, um, people often go to the sense of, well, what are you, what are you going to have to compromise to do that? And I say, tell people again and again and again, this is not about an either or solution. It cannot be about either or. This has to be about yes and. Um, and, and, so, and the yes and is, is about continuing to invest in this extraordinary, you know, what I said at the beginning, this extraordinary, uh, amazing animal of 100 musicians playing together, which is a unique, um, you know, a unique, thing in the arts and you know we preserve and we cherish and we nurture that and and we also by the way we also nurture 300 years of musical tradition and when and, and of some of the greatest music ever written has been written for orchestras so we're, we're not about to compromise that in any way we're not interested in compromising uh, the quality of the work we're doing and in fact I don't think that is happening across the country and certainly isn't happening in, in many of the major orchestras we're, we're not about to compromise the artistic standards. We're, we're, those are the, those are at the core of who we are. What we can do is layer onto that um, some really thoughtful engagement to help um, more people have more contact with this 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 beautiful art form that we that we cherish. And so here th-
0: we're now sitting in Los Angeles in one of the f- most impressive music halls right in the country, sure. the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Um, what's it like here now this is a uh, you know i know los angeles i'm from here it's a big city in a big region yeah um not you know seattle's a big city too philadelphia big city but los angeles is special it's really big you have i'm sure you have patrons driving over an hour absolutely uh, just to to attend a concert um what's it like here how do you how do you when you got here how did
1: you what was your first couple things you did to sort of understand this community well, I, I mean, you said it right. It's a huge city. It's a, it's a complicated city. I mean, what I, I'm actually less daunted by the scale of LA. Look, I grew up in London. Right. London and LA have a sort of similar scale. I always say to say, my wife, complains about the long distances of driving. And I say to her, if you just think London, you're fine, <laughs> because it's no worse than London. It's, it's, it's that same kind of scale. Um, so, uh, so I'm less daunted by the scale of LA than I am by the complexity of it. And as I come to understand the city, um, you know, it's got the—it's a city built of parallel universes, all of which intersect in different ways. You know, whether you're talking about Hollywood or whether you're talking about. Um, Beverly Hills or, or whether you're talking about Latino LA or LGBTQ LA I mean there's all these different l- levels all these different sort of parallel universes which collide and bump into each other in really interesting ways so understanding that it is very interesting it's also very regional I mean there's a very if you whether whether you're looking at um, you know um, you know whether you're looking at Bel Air or whether you're looking at Southeast LA or whether you're looking at Pasadena or the valley or you You know, um, Arcadia. You know, it's it's a it's just it's remarkable the diversity of this of this city in every possible way. And so, getting a feel for that takes a very long time. I'm a year and a half in, and I'm probably one tenth of my way (laughs) into really grasping what the city is all about. Um, But I did spend a lot of time um, with our staff and musicians, hearing what they had to say about our organisation and our environment. And I spent a lot of time, especially my first year, meeting. Uh, key leaders in arts and community, you know the political environment across the city and you know it's been a a long learning journey for me but luckily the one thing that about the LA Phil that is amazing is that you know unlike some other organizations where I've gone in where there really did need to be some deep thought about what was the identity of the institution the LA Phil is an organization with an extremely strong identity and by the way when we talk about orchestras being strongly localized the LA Phil is one of those because it's its current identity is absolutely bound up in its history in the history of this city and in the identity of this city so there are, so it's that that that's all that's already there now i think we've got some exciting things ahead of us in terms of how we how we think about deeper reach into the community but there's so much that is that is already great about this institution that you know luckily I've had the luxury of not needing to make quick change but be able to just build on what is great
0: so what's coming up working with the community what do do you've got planned in the the next couple years as you look at the future of the Philharmonic as you continue to create relevance Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles
1: well I think a lot of the clues for that are in the centennial Um, and if you look at the centennial uh, you know the thing that was amazing about the the way the centennial plan was planned was that um, this goes back a few years now. I think the people who were, were thinking about that within our organization thought about uh, that the centennial would have two things. On one hand, it would be. Um, a celebration of the past, of the history, of the amazing trajectory of the organization, of its, of its, of its artistic DNA, um, everything else which makes it a great orchestra. And the other part of it would be about looking forward. What does it mean to be a 21st century orchestra in Los Angeles, what does it mean to look forward? And the community part of that is a really important one. So, um, it, you know, there are many aspects of that. One, one aspect, of course, is just simply being in communities, rather than uh, for communities. So mm. when you think about community work, um, we talk about, uh, of course, we're here for communities and we want to welcome communities to our to our space, which we do open-heartedly. You know, we welcome communities. Every community, everybody is welcome and open to come to the Hollywood Bowl or to the Walt Disney Concert Hall. But it has a little bit of a different meaning when you're actually in a community, when you actually go outside the confines of the, you know, if the castle, if you like, right. and 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 you go out and you make yourself available in a much more, you know, in a much more present way in the community, and I think you know the the work the the thing we did with um, you know Celebrate LA, this wonderful street celebration uh, of of music on the streets, many different stages, and it was from the it was con- from concert hall it was to the from Hollywood the, Bowl, exactly from the Walt Disney Concert Hall to the Hollywood Bowl. Um, five or six stages through through on, along the route and music at every stage which was um, you know both philharmonic musicians it was musicians from Yola who took to LA but it was always it was also mu- musicians of community groups and of other recognizable you know LA uh, LA musicians of all over all over the city and you know when we think about what it means as an arts organisation to be in it to be relevant to a community, we we have to think about all the prepositions, and it's not just enough to say uh, we do what we do for the community. Um, it, sometimes when you when you can say you know we do what we do in the community is is great. Uh, even better, we do what we do with the community. Right. Um, and I think that's a very interesting area, area for us, um, the whole question of collaborative community arts, uh, which is a whole you know, sub-genre, sub, you know whole area of its uh, specialization in the arts today. I mean, what, what, what would it mean for us to, be, to really like, co-curate uh, artistic content with the community? In their community. With the community, in, in the in community, community, even community. better. So give us an example, besides the, the uh,
0: teases, if you will, What's coming up? Are, you going, are we going to see uh, the L.A. Philharmonic in neighborhoods, in, in new ways that we haven't before? So
1: immediately, yes. Uh, in neighborhoods, we've got, a, we've got a little mini L.A. tour coming up in September of this year. We'll be in three different uh, three different neighborhoods. Um, we're still finalizing that. But three wonderful concerts with the Philharmonic actually in the heart of neighborhoods. In, and they're all venues which are, which are very much community venues, uh, school halls. Community centres so on, so right. that's a you know that's a great um, thing thing that will happen. Um, longer term, you know, we there's a big question going on in 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 the arts which everybody's asking themselves, which is this question about decentralisation. You know, actually should you know actually should we be on a on a more permanent basis investing on taking our art, art out of our concert hall and our you know and the Hollywood Bowl and and doing it on a regular basis in a more kind of distributed way across the city. And, uh, and that's an especially potent question to ask in a, in a city like Los Angeles. So so if there's, a, if there's an, an in and with the community
0: that you could imagine for Los Angeles, what would it be? What would be like the most amazing collaboration where? <laughs>
1: Well, the first one, of course, is already happening, right. which is the Yola Center in Inglewood. Okay. Right, and Tell I think it's that. you know that's an important thing to mention. So, so um, Yola Youth Orchestra LA. This is an extraordinary program that the that the LA Phil has run now for you know, pretty much ten years, and Yola, you know, the spiritual founder of Yola is Gustavo Dudamel. Gustavo brought this program uh, to the LA Phil when he came here as music director, and. Um, Yola uh, is basically an after-school program, and it currently exists in four sites: um, Yola at uh, Ola, heart of LA; Yola at Camino Nuevo; Yola at Expo; and Yola at Torres. Um, so those are the four different sites that we have. Um, and with the ex- with the exception of Camino Nuevo, which is actually interesting because it's an in-school program, actually in a charter school system, it happens. It's a, it's a it's an in-school, it's a day mm-hmm. pro, day program. The other three are after-school programs. Um, and they're all based on partnerships around around the city. The next step for us is that we're actually building in Inglewood uh, a, 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 a Yola building, a Yola facility, which is an old bank building, um, which is being uh, redesigned by Frank Gehry, uh, with acoustics by Yasu Toyota, who is the acoustician of Walt Disney Concert Hall. And um, this will be it, this is interesting because it's it's the first time we're not only we're starting a Yola program in a community where we're not starting we're not we're not starting a partnership. We're actually building a building in the community and we're building out the Yola program from scratch. Um, and so, so, it still requires uh, partnerships. It still requires partnerships, but we we have to build uh, rather than going and working with an existing school or an existing community organization. We actually in. have to we actually have to work on. And so it's back to your question the with yeah. we actually have to build the with um and we have to think very carefully about about you know how do we you know how do we show up as an arts organization in this in this community of inglewood which is so fast changing you know how do we show up there and provide you know value to the community um and of course it's it'll be it, it'll the principles are the same it's an after-school program um, but there are some really interesting, you know, questions to be asked about, you know, what else can happen in this building. Is that going to be a, a venue for performance? Yeah, it's got to, it's got a performance venue, um, and it's got lots of rehearsal uh, re- rehearsal rooms and you know, or small ensemble rooms and practice rooms. So it's it'll be it'll be a it'll be this like humming hive of musical activity wow. uh, in in this community. And there
0: really is, isn't anything like that for youth. In the greater Los Angeles area, right? This is no, it's really sort of a new endeavor.
1: It is. It's it, it's a new endeavor, and
0: and how did how did that how did we think? Okay, we've got these great successful programs. Let's now build a base.
1: Where, where did that come from? Well, it's it st- the it started I think a few years ago, and of course it predates my time here. But um, but it started a few y- years ago when you know the organization was really thinking about where should we. Where could we make an impact in South LA? Um, so we had, the, you know, program in the Ramparts District, program in East LA, program at Expo, but really wanted to provide some service in in South LA, which is a you know a, a part of the city which has just not historically benefited from much arts access at all. Um, which isn't to say there aren't artists working there; there very much are artists working there, uh, but there has not been as much access, you know, as uh, as there could be. And so Inglewood. Was an obvious place, and in fact, it's big thanks to Mayor James Butts of Inglewood, who's this kind of visionary guy who's bought the sports teams there and <laughs> making the stadium. There's happen. a lot happening. There's a tremendous amount happening. Didn't um, did it start with you? Maybe let's say this, that when the LA Phil said we're going to go there,
0: now the sports teams want to go. No, there. I no. Well, I don't remember. No. <laughs> the, I don't know <laughs> the history of that. I think okay. the
1: sports teams were They're already there. in were Already in the mix. Okay. but interestingly, the mayor is very passionately attached to this to our project. Uh, Because he said, yes, it's great to have the sports teams here. And, of course, he recognizes the huge economic impact of that. But I think what he likes about our project is this is like changing the lives of young people in his community. Uh, And when you change the lives of young people, you start you're also addressing their families. Um, and you're addressing the kind of ecology of the community in a really wonderful way. That's a great example and I think that
0: many could learn from the idea of going into it, recognizing an unmet need and then working with that community to figure out how do you fill that need with what you have to offer as an organization. Exactly. This being, not just building uh, Disney Concert Hall part 2 where you just have more performance in that community but rather lifting up the community through education and arts engagement. Yes,
1: exactly. But also you have to be careful that we're not just saying here you know here we are here's our you know you can't just parachute in and say here we are here's our great program <laughs> uh lucky you. Yeah, right. You know, that's not a exactly tried and tested approach right. in 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 community you know community relations what what you hope is that you um, as you get to know the community, you can find the way in which you can provide the greatest value. Now, YOLA is a very mature program. It, it, you know, it, it's a program that has, it has been tested. It's a program that's effective. We know its impacts. Uh, we've measured some of its impacts um so in a sense it's you know it is it's a mature program which can go into which you know you can bring into any community but every community is different so for us the interesting question is okay so what's different about inglewood what's different that that we're going to have to adapt to which we might have to do differently to what we've done in other communities
0: well that's a that's actually where i want to head is how do you with the diversity of los angeles and being a, a a city of cities, right, there's 88 cities in this county, you're serving greater Los Angeles, mm-hmm. well beyond probably the city limits and even the county limits. Mm-hmm. As you as an organization look to expand and do that work in these various diverse communities, what do you have to do as an organization? What What have you done with staffing to say, how do we look differently at these communities as we continue to laser focus on community? How do we do that? Because you're, you're running a large organization with many facets and though community seems to be at your heart, you can't do it all
1: yourself. So what do you do structurally here? Uh, no, we can't do it all ourselves. And and actually, one of the interesting things that we have to think about for ourselves structurally is, like, when, especially when we're thinking about equity and diversity, what are we doing to change our change the way we look as an, as an organization? Because one of the things that we know about, about, um, uh, you know, the relationship between arts organizations and communities is that, um, People don't. People from, especially from, you know, communities of color, don't want to come and participate in an organisation if they don't see themselves represented. So if they don't see themselves represented on stage and they don't see themselves represented in the audience, uh, why should they feel that that's a place that they 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 should or could be interested in? So there really is a big effort, um, big onus on us to look at us to look at ourselves. Um, and orchestras have traditionally, um, you know, orchestras have traditionally been very white organizations. In fact, the classical music world has traditionally been very white and male. Yeah. Now, the good news is our field has probably never been more open and and forward-looking than it is today. And there's tremendous work going on, um, you, you know, all over the country, thinking about how we really do change. Um, and we have uh, an amazing you know uh, fellows pro- fellows program here at the LA Phil, which is designed for you know to 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 give opportunities to to um, musicians of color who are coming through there is a national um, audition support network uh, which is a which is a great thing which is for um, which provides um, financial support to uh, musicians of color who who don't necessarily have the 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 means to travel to auditions around the country to you can't travel you can't afford to travel to an audition you can't get a job in an orchestra right so there's, there's that and so we're you know and then we have yola which is a um a a feeder mechanism you know which is uh, and, and what's the most amazing thing about yolo is you have kids who come through the program now who are showing up at the all the major conservatories across the country and showing up at major universities and give us a few more years and it, it won't be long before they're finally coming into in back in you know they they're giving back in a way and they're coming back into our, our our orchestras. So, so the orchestral world is, you know, has been late to adapt to, to this, to the changing world around us, the changing demographics around us, but I think it is, we are pretty serious about it now. So what you just described is a great way of uh,
0: demonstrating that you're, you're aware of the world around you. And part of that being aware of the world around you is finding your place in the world that continues to change. And that the orchestra of today is not the orchestra of of tomorrow, nor is the orchestra of ten years ago. Right. And so how do you maintain that relevance in a in a dynamic world? What's the approach that you guys are taking here?
1: Well, if you look back in in history, you know, the, the orchestras have generally had this kind of monolithic view of the universality of their of of their art form. So we we've tended to have this idea that Beethoven and Mahler and Brahms are are, are, are timeless and are universally relevant. Uh, I actually f- am fairly troubled by that viewpoint because I don't I I'm I I I don't I don't think that um, I think it makes a lot of assumptions. Um, and of course, the music is is it's, ex- it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary music, but. Uh, it, you know, not everybody can find a way into it, and so I think w- where we are today, and again, it's not only happening in music. This is happening in all art forms. It's happening in theatre. It's happening, you know, right across the right across the different different genres. But I think where we are today is thinking: how do we connect this extraordinary legacy and body of music that we curate? Because we are really curators of that of that repertoire, just as an art, just as art museums create physical works, whether it's you know. Van Gogh or Leonardo, or whatever. So, how so how, how do we connect these work this 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 extraordinary legacy that we curate? How do we connect that to the world of today? So, we have recently appointed uh, a new position here at the LA Phil, and I think it's a relatively new position for any orchestra. I don't think any other orchestra has a position remotely like this, which is which we're calling director of humanities. And the purpose of that position is to surround our core musical content with activity materials uh, by, by which I mean everything from you know physical it could be it could be uh, symposium or talks or lectures it, uh, to materials blog posts or you know... Um, social media related stuff it, you know a, a vast range of kind of different ways of providing access to the music but it connects people to what's relevant today so in other words it's how it's how do we how do we how do we how do we find how do we find access points for people um, and is that considering where people are coming from, right? Yeah, it's considered, it's thinking about like contemporary relevance, for example. What, what in the in you know in 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 the world we are today? What are the big themes that are going on in society, and how do we connect them back? You know, if you think about the big themes we're looking at in, you know, in society and politics of 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 you know migration and homelessness, um, of race and identity. Um, you know, those are you huge know, topics. Those are huge <laughs> topics, but but of course they play out in they play out in classical music as well. And there are there's there's, a, there's fascinating ways in which we can you know we can connect them to the, to the work we do. And so amazing. we have a, we have a great example of that coming um, you know next season. We have a festival which we're calling Power Power to the People, where we're really going to look at you know the music of protest. Mm. Um, and that's a it's a really a vibrant um, uh, canvas. To connect to, um, you know, to connect connect to the, some of the big issues of today. Does it ever get easier, working with community,
0: being relevant in a space like an orchestra?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it gets easier, but I don't think easier is necessarily in, necessarily interesting. I think <laughs> I think we're in a I think we're in a <laughs> really interesting place right now because. Um, because I think we're we're in a place where all the assumptions about what the role that an orchestra can play in its community are being rethought, and we're thinking, you know, we're, so we're thinking not just now about this, you know, this, what what forty years ago, fifty years ago was the the model, which was this. You know, basically a transaction. We play great music. You come to hear it. You buy a ticket. You come to hear it. That that was the transaction. It was right. a very. It was a very. It was very clear and it was defined. Now we think about what what are the things we do beyond that? What what, are the, what is the role we play in um, in in uh, you know uh, enriching young people's lives? Um, what role do we play in the sense of creating, um, y- you know, creating a sense of, I- of, of local identity and playing to local identity in, this, in the city we live in? What role do we play in health? I mean, you know, many organisations are thinking about, you know, music as it relates to um, you know, mental health, mm-hmm. music as it relates to um, children who have learning disabilities ch- on the children on the autism spectrum. You know, there are all sorts of ways in which we can intersect that music and um, uh, you, know, what are, you know, we're, we're redefining our, our, our sort of uh, civic role, if you like, in much broader ways now than we were 50 years ago. Well, I'm excited to see what's next. Being an Angelino, I'm excited
0: that you're leading our city's orchestra as we're trying to do more to, to make our city livable and to, to be relevant. So thank you for that. Uh, I'd like to now, uh, as we close, I've got a couple questions for our lightning round. Sure. So let's get into it. Here we go. You
1: ready? I'm ready. Okay. Who is a leader who has influenced you and in your work? There's a guy called Eric Booth, who's one of the leading arts educationalists in, in the U.S. And uh, Eric is somebody I've known for 20 years now, worked on and off with. And, and you know Eric's big mantra uh, and, and lesson for all of us in the arts is engagement before information. Information is not interesting. People seek engagement with what we do, and that's, that's always been something I've that's loved. That's great. Uh, what book has changed the way you think about your work in community? So recently, um, the the book that I have most enjoyed is uh, Nina Simon's book, The Art of Relevance. Nina Simon is a director of the Santa Cruz Art Museum and has really thought deeply about how how you, um, as a museum, you think about um, touching the lives of people in your community directly with things that are, you know, relevant to them. It's a really wonderful read. What advice would you give a twenty-five-year-old you? Think about the questions before the answers.
0: Nice. Uh, what advice do you have for parents who want to expose their children to music in a way that will inspire a lifelong relationship?
1: Well, that's an easy one because uh, you know we well, there is so much evidence to support the idea that 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 learning an instrument is the biggest indicator of of loving music later in life. So. Let them learn the, learn an instrument. What inspired your relationship with music? Well, my parents were not musicians, but they absolutely loved music. And I grew up with this sort of fascinating, you know, my parents kind of eclectic and, and wonderful uh, record collection, LP collection as it was then, which was, you know, everything from jazz to classical to medieval music to... American musicals. So, you know, I, I, you know I, and I, to this day, I have a very incredibly eclectic taste. Awesome. Um, what was the best career decision you've ever made? Not to be a conductor. There, there are many, many... I, will, I really have my heart set on being a conductor, but uh, I realized that there were many, many, many people who would be doing that way better than <laughs> I would ever be doing it. Uh, what so far has been your proudest professional moment? Look, who couldn't be proud at being appointed CEO of the Los Angeles Philharmonic? It's the most extraordinary um, musical organization m- maybe in the country, and you know, being, uh, being able to be part of this organization's story is just an amazing privilege. Well, thanks, Simon, for taking the time, but more importantly, bringing this orchestra together. Thank
0: you so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Community Intelligence, and for more information on this and other episodes, visit our website at stratoscope.com. At Stratoscope, we provide community intelligence services to businesses, nonprofits, and government agencies. Let us know how we can help you.